everyone, this is Misha. Today on Schoolja, Clint and Chad tell disgusting stories to make each other sick, mansplain school fashion and the various issues with the staff dress codes, and gush about their families in dad chat. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hello, I'm Clint, coming to you from Roanoke, Virginia. And I'm Chad from 2,814 miles away, Astoria, Oregon. And this is Schooled Ya. The podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. And anything else that might come up. We have no standards. <laughs> the goal is to make a podcast that teachers... And anyone else, tell your friends. ...find as fun and interesting as the teacher's lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. Teachers don't complain. We just know how to do everything better than everyone else and we like to tell you about it. Yes, we do. Before we get going with the regular show, we do want to report on the results of our Facebook poll on our very important debate from last week. Bus duty versus cafeteria duty, which is worse? And the winner is, unfortunately for me, Chad again, by a wide margin. You crushed me with the cafeteria duty. Yeah. The bus duty. Yeah. And in fairness, those were randomly drawn, so um, I'm confident that had you had cafeteria duty, you would have won as well. I'm a little disappointed in my performance. I'm 0 for 2 in this debate segment. I think I think we can both agree, though, that they both suck. They do. And congratulations. You did a great job. Kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so what we'd really like to start things off with is a, a little bit of story time, like a kind of mental palate cleanser. Teachers spend at least eight hours per day with children, and as fun as that is, there's one thing that everyone can agree on when it comes to kids. They're cute. No, they're disgusting. From picking noses to eating scabs, kids might say the darndest things, but they do the grossest. Oh, that's true. So we're going to take a few minutes to tell you about some of the grossest things we've experienced in our classrooms. We're going to limit ourselves to just one story apiece so we don't overwhelm the gag reflex of all you listening out there. I'll go first, and just so everybody's aware, I'm in the perfect environment for this discussion because uh, my dog decided to pee on our carpet last night. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> in a gross environment ready to tell you this gross story. Uh, it's a short one, but a good one. I used to teach, I don't know if you guys still have this, but the advisory period. It's like homeroom. Yeah, it's like a homeroom. And you have everybody from freshmen all the way up to seniors. You have them all four years of their high school experience. And you also need to know, before I start this story, that Astoria High School has carpeted classrooms. So I'm sitting there taking roll, reading the announcements, going over the stuff that's going on, and I look and I see one of my fairly new to the class freshmen is just slowly turning a lighter and lighter shade of green. (laughs) And I look over at him, and I don't remember his name anymore. We're going to call him Alex. I looked at him and I was like, Alex, are you doing okay? And he had like this, his lips were super tight and he kind of just shook his head at me and then clamped his hand over his mouth, stood up and started to run for the door. But before he made it to the door, he started to throw up. (laughs) But he kept his hand over his mouth. So you know how you can't really close your knuckles all the way? And so there's little spaces in between your fingers? Well, vomit shot through the little spaces in like a like a sprinkler like the <laughs> kind of sprinkler <laughs> I don't know what happened. As soon as he started throwing up, he like froze there and it just kept shooting out across the room, like four or five feet out. And thankfully he didn't hit anybody, but just like all over the carpet. And the rest of the kids are like scrambling to get out of the way. (laughs) I'm 
standing there dumbfounded at first and then like running to get a garbage can but he got out of his oh no I'm throwing up to I need to get out of here and just started booking it out of the room he ran outside and then just unloaded outside for like I don't know it was probably like 15 seconds but it seemed like forever I went out with the garbage can to the kid and like made sure he was okay and sent him down to the office because he clearly needed to go home uh, later he told me I told my mom I wasn't feeling well and she made me go to school anyway so uh thanks a lot mom but it was it was super gross and unpleasant that's pretty gross yeah okay all right what have you got you know i've seen a few gross things in my day i mean being a football coach i've seen a few broken arms and bent fingers and things like that and those definitely give me the heebie-jeebies but i got one that takes the cake when i was an assistant principal at astoria high school we had for a time uh, and you know this story clint um for for a good couple months what we i guess affectionately begin to call the brown bomber um (laughs) we had a rogue uh secret pooper (laughs) That was dropping bombs probably I don't know once a week once every couple weeks in inappropriate and odd places for example they they were all done in the in the boys bathroom but the first incident I believe I was called to a bathroom because someone had pooped in the urinal you know that has happened it's not super creative but it's still disturbing there was a sink incident where the brown bomber had pooped in the sink so that was starting to stretch things a little bit probably the one that took the cake was um, there was a bath bathroom and it was uh, right next to the main office i mean mm. it was a single use bathroom with a with a locked door so it would take some bravery to go into that bathroom and do anything wrong because you're literally feet away from the assistant principal's office and the brown bomber had pooped down the side of the wall and just i walk in there and there's just a big pile of poop sitting right in the floor and a big mark all the way down the wall wait so okay wait wait how how? How? How do you poop well, on the wall? <laughs> Did he just, do you think that this person just like spread cheek and pushed his butt yes. against the wall and then let it fly? Like like some kind of the, weird Play-Doh um, experiment? Yes. The evidence pattern on the wall would, uh, <laughs> the forensics team that came in and analyzed it, which was me, um, <laughs> that, w- that was our conclusion. Uh, that that is what happened. Based on the evidence, I believe that's what happened because there was there was markings all the way down. Oh, gosh. There was a few other ones. I think there was a trash can. But it's almost like one of those murder movies where you got this crazy serial killer out there. Only we had somebody pooping. I mean, I was checking cameras. I was having <laughs> teachers, you know, report to me of, uh, you know, what time students were leaving to the bathroom. I had a few suspects but could never quite pin them down. So it actually ended, I believe, we had a we had a staff member at our school who had a son that was a junior oh, in, yeah. in high school. And one evening he's sitting around the dinner table with the son and he, they're talking about it. And his son's like, yeah, man, everyone's talking about this pooper. And John, the, the staff member, says to his son, yeah, I I hear that they're they're actually taking some DNA samples of the poop and they're sending it in and uh, getting it analyzed. So they should, you know, they should be able to nail this perpetrator here real soon because they're <laughs> going to get this DNA back. And and the thought is that the next day the kid came to school and started spreading that rumor because literally after that conversation, the brown bomber stopped. I believe it was a it was just a, a regular citizen that put that to an end. And I appreciate the work of, of everyone in the building. That is my story, the Brown Bomber. It is kind of one of those sayings that will probably haunt me forever because I never got him. 
Uh, but it was pretty gross. It was pretty gross. All right. Well, do any of you guys out there have a grosser story than either of ours? I bet our elementary school teachers have some doozies. Yes. Want to see if you can make us sick? Shoot us an email at schooljapodcast.com or post it on our Facebook page at schooljapod for everyone to see. And let's take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Aw, dang. You forgot your well-packed lunch on your kitchen counter again, and you aren't in the mood to walk downstairs for a slice of pizza or a chicken patty from the local lunch ladies. That's when School Lunch leaps into action. Your School Lunch subscription gives you complete access to the special refrigerator that is installed in the teacher's lounge, which is restocked daily with exactly the kinds of foods all teachers eat for lunch every day. Choose from a wide variety of options such as leftover casserole of unknown origin, an applesauce cup, a yogurt container that will definitely splatter on your shirt when you open it, a ham, American cheese, and mayonnaise sandwich on two heels of white bread, and everyone's favorite, whatever we can find in the fridge that doesn't smell, shoveled into an old cream cheese container because teachers can't afford regular Tupperware. So don't despair that your lunch is missing, despair that it was no better than what we have to offer. School Lunch, the world's best weight loss program. And welcome back. As some of you know, I fancy myself a bit of a fashionista, the Louis Vuitton of education world. Oh, we know. (laughs) Shut up, Clint. Anyway, to tide me over between the New York Fashion Week, which just wrapped up on the 14th, and the Paris Fashion Week, which begins on the 25th, we thought we should discuss school fashion. That's actually pretty timely, because we have a new teacher dress code in my district, and I have many thoughts about it. So to begin with, Chad, what do you think def- should define appropriate clothes for a teacher? My my philosophy about this is we are clearly in a profession where we have a lot of influence over, over kids obviously. Mm -hmm. And I think anytime you you work anywhere or go anywhere, do anything where you are going to have some sort of influence over somebody, um, you can't deny that the the clothes you wear are in some way going to have an effect on that. You know, you and I both being high school teachers is maybe unfortunate as this may be, our our kids, the the first impression we make on our students is is important. And especially our age of kids put a lot of weight on clothes and what you're wearing to, to make those snap judgments. It's important to be purposeful about what you wear. And and I mean that not like your tie needs to match your shirt. You are sending a message to your colleagues and most importantly, your students that they are important enough that you chose to dress nicely or put effort into the clothes that you wore that day. And if you can convey that message through what you're wearing, then you have a, a head start in, in making those connections with those kids. I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, what type of clothes uh, everyone needs to be wearing. But the one thing that I think is important is that you have made the effort and shown your students that you put thought into what you put on that day. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. And the other issue that I have, and this is one where we both reached out to some female members of our staffs so we could get some different perspectives because frankly, it's kind of weird to talk about this as two guys talking about dress codes when Frankly, a lot of the dress code items are aimed at women. Right. I'm not going to go through our entire dress code, but I do want to read a few restrictions. And uh, Chad, if you want to try to keep track of how many of these things would apply to most men. Okay. So here we go. Um, In most circumstances, the application of the above criteria to classroom teachers would exclude clothing, which is backless, see-through, excessively short or tight, thin-strapped sundresses or shirts slash blouses cut like sundresses unless accompanied by a blouse or jacket, t-shirts unless adorned with scarf or jewelry, tank tops or halter tops, shorts, leggings, stirrup pants, sweatshirts, jeans and overalls, and wind or warm-up suits. So those are the items that are kind of banned. And 
by my count, it's like five yeah. of about 25 items, which is a problem. Sure. We, we do kind of over-sexualize the female body in our society, and that ends up leading to these restrictions that, I don't know, to me, seem pretty common sense. Like, you're not going to dress in a way that is provocative, but if your room is a million degrees because you don't have air conditioning, then you might wear clothes that allow you to stay cool so that you don't overheat. But it, it's interesting because it does not say anywhere in here, men will wear button-down shirts with ties and slacks and those kinds of things. They don't they don't specify what men have to wear. They're right. much more uh, restrictive about what women have to wear. Now, I have a question for you about this new policy that you're seeing. Was there any uh, explanation as to to why this was recently adopted? Was there were there problems with staff dress? I'm not 100% sure. I think that what happened was our superintendent goes around and does visits sometimes and I think that she was not pleased with the mm-hmm. way teachers were dressing in the various schools. Uh, she felt it was too casual and too sloppy and not professional enough and that that wasn't a good image for our district for the city. Yeah, you know, here's the other thing about when you put on paper certain clothes that are okay. I know we have a counselor at our school that intentionally dresses the way he dresses because he feels like he makes himself more accessible to kids. He dresses very nice, mm-hmm. kind of like casually nice, I guess I would say. I mean, he always mm-hmm. looks very clean and and appropriate, but he doesn't dress up too much. And and he does that because he knows that he makes himself more accessible and kids more feel more comfortable with him than if he was, you know, in a tie every day. Interesting story. When I was when I was an assistant principal, I would always wear a tie Monday through Thursdays and you know Fridays, game days or whatever, you know, we'd wear something more casual. More than once I would be meeting with a family oftentimes a family coming from maybe poverty and dealing with a lot of struggles. And more than once, I would have a parent say, boy, it sure is nice to talk to somebody dressing so casually. Or they'd say something about the way I was dressed as a compliment. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, well, I only dress like this on Fridays, but it just would happen to kind of work that way. And just as often, Monday through Thursdays, I would have just as many people, parents, comment on, boy, it sure is nice to talk to somebody so dressed up. You don't see that so much anymore. And so it's funny because depending on the day and depending on the audience, right. I was actually, because of the way I was dressed, I was connecting with different people. And so for us to say, as as a district or whatever, for us to say, this is what is going to work. This is the appropriate way to dress. It's, it's I don't know. It's it's a little it's a little fuzzy area there. And I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. In education, we often talk about how it takes many different types of teachers to connect to the many different types of students. If we were all, dare I say, uniform in our approach, we would not be as effective as a staff. And I think it's the same way with clothes, that we need a range so that way students and the public can kind of see that there are different types of professionalism and that there are different ways of approaching what we do. And no one way is exactly right and no one way is exactly wrong. I think that that flexibility is important. The second thing I was going to say is we have a a country club here uh, in Astoria, Astoria Country Club. Mm -hmm. I've I've gone there once in my life, and I remember seeing a sign on the door as you walk in that says, no jeans. Okay, so the implication there is that jeans are informal and trashy or whatever. Right. Okay. But as I walked in there for this event, I see a bunch of these members, these old fellas that are in these wrinkly old tattered slacks yeah and i thought to myself well you're meeting the dress code but you'd look a lot nicer in a nice pair of jeans right so just because we establish that a certain type of clothing is 
is nice, it doesn't mean it's it, it looks good and it doesn't mean it looks professional. I mean, it's just like, just because you're wearing a tie doesn't mean that you've put in some effort to dress well for the day. So right. I think it's really hard when you start to like, kind of like put these things in these, in these you know, pigeonholes of like, this is what you wear and this is what you don't wear. Um, I'm not going to speak to female fashion because frankly, it is confusing. I don't understand why there's shirts, blouses, tops. Right. All of those things are different things. I don't I don't understand how that works. People have tried to explain it to me several times and I'm like, but it's a shirt because it goes on the <laughs> right. top of your body. You put your arms in it, it's a shirt. <laughs> so so that's always confusing to me. But I do think that we could maybe talk a little bit about for men, what can we do to make sure that we look sharp instead of schlubby? What are some tips that you might have for some of the gentlemen out there who are looking to make sure that they look their best? Maybe this is obvious, but I learned how to use a clothes iron a long time ago and don't have wrinkly clothes. My clothes sit in a laundry basket for probably three days before they get folded a lot. So almost everything I wear, I usually Sunday nights, I iron mm-hmm. all my clothes for the week. And you know, I kind of joke at the beginning, I, I am not the Louis Vuitton of education. A little bit though, a little bit. <laughs> but I think it's important to find clothes that fit you, whether it be you're a big guy, probably don't want things that are too form-fitting on you. Or one thing for me is I don't like feeling like I'm a 13-year-old kid and I'm wearing my dad's clothes to the middle school dance. You know, and again, I just think you you mentioned it, making sure that you're comfortable, but also being professional. I, I used to wear dress shoes to school, but as teachers, we are on our feet all day. And so I've gone to more of a casual sneaker and those are actually kind of in fashion right now with dress clothes anyway for men. Those would just be a couple that come to mind. What about you? I think that making sure that you have clothes that fit well is important, but it, it's I think it's important that we define fit well because when we were growing up and a lot of other teachers of our generation, the clothes that fit well were super baggy. Like that was the style at the time and that, that style has changed. Fitting well means that it is not over like hanging off of you. And I like your comparison of it looks like you're wearing somebody else's clothes. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye on Netflix. It's a good show. You should check it out. And they talk about going in, trying on clothes, and actually like looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, okay, does this stay somewhat close to the taper of my leg? Do my shirts hide my belly or does it accentuate it because it's too tight. Being able to look at yourself and think about how does this hang on me? How does it fit on me? Instead of just sort of, this is on sale. I hate shopping, so I'm going to just grab this thing and then you end up wearing that. Which I think, I don't know, stereotypically for a lot of men, shopping for clothes isn't very fun. You're not sure what you're supposed to be looking for anyway, so it's confusing. And so you just go with whatever is on sale. But I think you can get pretty good deals. Like We don't make a ton of money. You look for, for sales and then you take the time to go and try it on and really look at yourself in the mirror. You can really make broad steps without breaking your budget. When I find pants that I like that, you know, that fit and are good price. I will typically then over the course of that maybe school year continue to get three, four, five other pairs of those same pants just in different colors. And I do the same thing with shirts. Where do you go when you want to get deals? My my go-to places. And I mean, again, we, we shop on budgets. We're teachers. Is Old Navy. I get a lot of my pants at Old Navy. And H&M is another place that I really like. I found that their dress shirts look really nice. They're really inexpensive, like crazy inexpensive. And they fit me and they work. Now, the funny thing is I was dressed up for school one 
day and I had a couple kids come up to me and a couple of boys and like, man, you know, Mr. Matson, you're always dressed so nice. I wish I could dress like that, but there's no way I could afford that. These boys mm, were wearing mm-hmm. Nike shoes, a pair of Nike shorts. They had a Nike hoodie on. I asked them, I said, where did you get those? And we have a, an outlet store here close by. And, and they said, well, we got these at the Nike outlet. Now I have shopped there and the clothes mm-hmm. that they were wearing, even though they were much probably cheaper than, than off a regular store rack were probably $80 shoes, $40 shorts, and probably a $60 hoodie. And I said, right. you could have bought four of the outfits I'm wearing for what you're wearing right there. So I guess that the moral of that is like dressing nice doesn't have to be expensive. And in fact, it's probably a lot less expensive than what many of our kids are wearing. Where do you get your clothes? I tend to go to Macy's, JCPenney, Belk. Those stores, I can usually find uh, my shirts there pretty readily. And if you pay attention to when sales are happening or you just every once in a while stop by and look, if you know your measurements for your shirt, it's easy to to look at it and go, oh, okay, I like this pattern and it's my fit. You can just grab it and, and be done with it. If I'm looking for things like neckties or belts or other things like that, which can make or break what you're wearing, I tend to go to Ross Dress for Less because they tend to have pretty good items for major discount. Because buying a tie, that's the where things get expensive. Ties are like $30, $40. So I go to Ross and you can get the same tie for sometimes like $5. I would be remiss if I didn't say this one last thing. Many of the female colleagues that I talked to about where they get their clothes and how do they deal with their stuff, they said Target. That Target is their favorite store and it is great for men too. There's They have good looking appropriate fashion for quite a bit cheaper than most other stores. It's worth taking a trip and going and looking. They do have dressing rooms. You don't have to buy it just sort of looking at it and hoping that it fits you. That's a good place to go, especially when you're first starting out teaching and you're trying to build up the wardrobe. Whatever you wear, it's got to reflect who you are and Mm -hmm. you have to be comfortable in it. And if you're not, then figure out whatever in your district works, like, you know, within the boundaries of that policy, but make it work for you because we have to be comfortable up there. If you're thinking the whole time all day that I look like a dork or I'm really uncomfortable, then you're not going to be doing what you're there to do, which is to teach kids. And the kids will notice and they will pounce on it. All right, man. Well, I think that just about covers it. Do you have a favorite outfit that you'd like to share? Or any comments about any of the things that we've said that maybe made you mad? Contact us on Facebook or Twitter at SchoolJapod. Or send us an email at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. And now another word from our sponsor. Are you super smart? Is your GPA higher than the number of people you talk to on a regular basis? Is that the way you like it? That's fine, because one day you'll be much more successful than the dummies surrounding you. Problem is, your annoying Aunt Tilda keeps asking, When are you going to meet someone nice? That's why there's A-Harmony the dating match site for wicked smart nerds that pairs you with the perfect, attractive, successful mate, as far as anyone knows. A-Harmony uses your specific profile to match you with a quote-unquote person with a complete and believable bio, including backstory, vacation photos, address, and strong social media presence that will include you in their posts. Even better, to ensure your match is believable, A-Harmony carefully considers your level of nerdiness and guarantees you won't be matched with a fictitious person too far out of your league. After all, if you're going to have a fake soulmate, we want you to be able to brag about them to your mom. A-Harmony. Better stories, better studies. All right, welcome back. As we approach the end of the show, it's time for our favorite segment, Dad Dad Chat. Chat. It's a time for us to brag about whatever's happening in our lives that's making us happy. 
Clint, what have you got for me today, buddy? All right. Well, I want to talk about my wonderful wife, Nikki. Uh, In two days, we will have been married for 20 years, which is crazy to think about. We will have been married for longer than we haven't been married. And it's just been fantastic. And she is completely my best friend. For our anniversary uh, this year, instead of going on a trip, which is what we usually do for big ones, we decided that this year we would actually buy grown-up furniture for our living room because we're still sitting on Ikea furniture. Uh, so we're going to make that leap and try to try to make our house um, a little more comfortable for us. And just uh, last Saturday, we spent our time going around and looking at sales on couches and and different items and it was the best day because we just spent the day driving around making each other laugh being silly that's awesome acting like kids i mean we're trying to do things like we're grown-ups but we don't really know anything so we're just (laughs) being idiots together and it's just wonderful that to have been married to my very best friend in the whole world i think you know you're in a good relationship when you don't ever want to not be together yeah that when you go off to work or go off and do things that you're anticipating getting home because you get to talk to your best friend about what you did that day. Right. And I'm just so happy that that's the relationship that we have. And she's super amazing, for those of you that don't know her. She's been an emergency room nurse for as long as I've been teaching, but this year she decided to make a change in her career, and she's now working for an organization called CHIP, which is Child Health Investment Partnership. And basically what she does is she goes around to different families who have very young children, uh, like up to the age of six, and helps the moms and the kids stay healthy and helps them figure out their health concerns and does education and... Uh, She and the social worker that she's with make sure that they can get to doctor's appointments and and set up all the things that they need to do. And she gets to make a big impact in a lot of lives in our community. And I'm just really proud of her and uh, love her very much. Well, happy 20 years to you guys. And Nikki's an awesome gal. So good job for you finding her. I know. She she definitely married down. Yeah. Um, She made a big mistake. no question. But she's stuck with me. Yeah. All right. What have you got? A couple things. So my son Griffin just started kindergarten. Awesome. I know it's cliche you know everyone says they grow up so fast and you know what happened to the time and it does seem like he was just uh just a baby a few weeks ago and now he's starting kindergarten but he's loving it and it's a pretty proud moment for his mom and I just to see him going to school every day with his big backpack on that's about the size of him and I'm really proud of him the other thing about this time of year is it's soccer season Mm -hmm. and I don't know if your kids ever played soccer here on the north coast and I'm guessing it's like it is everywhere else but uh we have this big common complex uh, a few miles away from our home and the soccer program in our community is just Saturdays. Everyone gets together and plays on Saturdays. Before I had kids, I remember friends and colleagues of mine kind of always saying, yeah, I got soccer on Saturday. And I used to kind of think, ugh, mm-hmm. that's going to suck when my kids are doing it. we got to go out there and spend the whole day out there watching soccer. Right. And I love it. Awesome. It is one of my favorite parts of the fall. My daughter Daphne has been playing now. I think this, maybe this is her fifth year. Mm-hmm. And, and Griffin gets to start this year. So we're going to have two kids out there playing. It's just one hour games. Luckily, both their schedules this year kind of tie into where like we don't have a lot of downtime in between a lot of them are back to back and it's just a lot of fun you for one it's awesome watching your kids play and just getting to run around i was never much of a soccer person 
Boston because I kind of grew up playing football and mm-hmm. those were always at the same time. But soccer is a wonderful sport for, for young kids because it's so simple. You just get a run and kick mm-hmm. and it's fun to watch them. And it's been fun watching Daphne grow into the program they run here is like you start with just like three or four kids on the field and there's little tiny goals and no goalies. And then last year was her first year where they actually had goalies in, in the game. And so that kind of changes everything. And, right. and then Griff, again, Griffin starting for the first time this year. So I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be a fun fall. And, and usually, as you know, around here, fall is sometimes the best weather we have. Right. And so these, these beautiful Saturday mornings being out there, believe it or not, I... I really, really enjoy it. So that's what I got going on. That's so fun. Well, that's it. We're done. Do you have a question? Want to share your own disgusting story or your favorite place to get deals on teacher clothes? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooldiapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at schooldiapod. Follow me on Instagram at chatterboxes. You can also find me on Twitter at Astoria. And don't forget about our website, schooldiapod.com. The lovely intro and outro music you are enjoying was performed by Clint's wonderful wife of 20 years, Nikki. And all our sponsors are fake, but our artwork is not. Big thanks to Corey Logan for our fantastic cover design. Find him on Instagram at Corey Logan Art. And a huge thanks to our editor and producer, Clint Hill. <laughs> Buddy, you put so much work into this podcast, and all I do is show up and talk. So thank you very much. <laughs> we couldn't do it without you. Thanks, man. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It will help other people find us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. I don't want to see anybody's front door. <laughs>